if you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today on Horse Chats, I'd like to welcome Jack and Paula Curtis from Jack and Paula Curtis Horsemanship. Now, before I introduce them, before we welcome them, I'd just like to remind you about International Horse College. And if you'd like to work in the horse industry, but just not sure where to start, then have a chat to the friendly team at internationalhorsecollege.com. With the wide variety of horse courses from complete beginner through to qualified professionals and students in over 20 countries, we'll be able to consider your individual requirements and guide you in the right direction. Simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com to start the conversation. Registered Training Organisation 31352. All right, now we're going to welcome Jack and Paula Curtis. So how are you, Jack, Paula? Great. Yeah. Thanks so much for letting us uh, on your show. Oh, look, welcome. And um, what I'd like to do, I'm changing the format around a little bit because sometimes I introduce guests and I think, I wonder if I've said everything correctly. What I'd like to do is to have you guys introducing yourself to someone who's never heard of you. Now, just think that horse chats, we chat to everyone. You know, anyone that's got that common love and common bond of having a horse, we'll chat to you. So if you'd like to maybe just have a quick chat and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so um, both Jack and I have been in the horse industry for years and I'll I'll talk a little bit about my myself, and then I think we'll have Jack give it a, a quick chat about himself. But I have ridden in multiple disciplines, starting out with horses as a child with my parents, and growing up in our local 4-H, I did both dressage and gymkhana, and all the way from like eventing to the Western pleasure. So I kind of touched all the disciplines, but what really inspired me and caused me to pursue horses even further was horsemanship. And I was exposed to some trainers such as Ray Hunt and Pat Pirelli very early on when I was in 4-H. And that really grew my passion for the career that I'm in now, which is helping people understand horses and helping people become better for their horse so that they're able to do what they want to get, you know, do what they want with their horses. Right. You missed something really important. She, boy, what year, 2000, what year did you go to NBHA finals? Oh. In, in Atlanta, Georgia. Yep, 2016. Or no, no, no. It would be 1990. 1996. Yep. But what's interesting is Paula, she has a bit of arthritis, right? And she right. would always ride Jim Connor horses in English saddles, which maybe for you isn't such a big thing, but for us that is. And so in our, our world of barrel racing, it's, you know, Western saddles and this and that. So she competed out of well, 2,000 people or so. Right. That, and that was the only one in an English saddle. And, that's, <laughs> and I did that because my knees and hips could not handle the Western saddles. Um, but that same horse, I also competed in dressage. So I saw that an interdisciplinary approach to riding and training was uh, extremely beneficial to the horses. Definitely. And, you know, Paula had mentioned like Ray Hunt and we had gone to quite a, we had ridden in quite a few Ray Hunt clinics. In fact, I had ridden studs in some of his clinics, but then we had spent the year 2005 
Uh-huh. Um, out in Arizona, which is quite a stretch from where we live here in Wisconsin, but we we spent that winter out working with Lee Smith, who actually worked with with Ray Hunt. Um, but we also the region that we live in, we're exposed to an eclectic mix of, of horsemanship, most definitely, dressage and dressage included. So. You know, clinics, uh, we had a clinic at Michigan State University with Walter Zettel. You know, I went back years ago when he was when he was teaching and, and around. And But something that we really are thinking about is how can we bridge the gap between sort of these Western and English or whatever. I, I think that's interesting too, Jack and, and Paula, because it's interesting talking to the two of you actually. Bridging that gap, I mean, you know, that we're still horses. We're still horses. They've still got a lot of things. And I understand that in specific disciplines, there's specific backgrounds, specific requirements, specific rules, and generally specific breeds that are better for that particular discipline. But when it all boils down, they're still horses. And I think that's we sort of have got horse chats to, to bring it all together. So we get people in from a, a dressage or a dressage background and doing all sorts of other things. And I think, Paula, you're just a great guest because you can talk about that interdisciplinary background. Okay, but as you said, it's the horsemanship that really is interesting to you. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, and, and it's been a neat experience because I, um, you know, I worked at my parents' farm, which they had a, a horse farm since I was uh, quite young. But Jack's, he was... At, in his teens, getting picked up to start horses for a variety of of breeders. He couldn't drive himself, but there was breeders in the area that, um, because he became well-known for starting horses and giving them a good foundation, they were asking him to start their horses. So he really had a chance to work with a, a, vari- a wide variety of breeds. And because we had met at a uh, quite a young age. We started dating when we were in our teens. Well, I was going to ask you how the two of you met. Did you meet yeah, through horses? Yeah. yeah, so we started dating real early on. And but, but was it through horses that you met? It I was. would say, yeah. It was yeah. Through, through horses and, and 4-H. And, and yep. 4-H, right. But it was really through the, the horses right. and the 4-H projects. Definitely, definitely. And and so it's been, it's been fun because we've been able to work not only um, – through using an interdisciplinary approach, but also working with, you know, tracaners and Andalusians imported from Germany or, or yeah, where, wherever, name you name it, it yeah, Frisians. It so we really um, have worked with a wide variety of horses, which I don't know that just working at, you know, my parents' farm, I would have been exposed to all of these horses, but because we work together, we really have been able to play off of each other's strengths and kind of explore um, a lot more, I would say. Yeah. So if I was going to say, have you got a favourite quote or something, would you say it's the same one? I mean, what's inspired you? Is it the same thing that inspires you? Do you have one quote that brings you together or one saying, or do you have separate ones? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I don't know that we have the same well, quote. Let's, let's see. But maybe. maybe so <laughs> I really like, and I, I'm unsure where I got this quote or if I came up with it, but it is work on a on a horse, and that horse gets better. But when you work on yourself, all of your horses get better. And I really feel that 
that gets down to the root of everything comes from us. And it really, it really comes back to us furthering our education in order to progress and have better horses. Yeah, it's, it's one that I've heard very similar, you know, similar to that. I'm not sure if it was a ray hunt. Does it sound like it could have been a ray hunt one? It may have been. I don't know. Yeah, and, and who and who knows? And and one that I will often hear myself, you know, teaching in clinics. And it is it is a it is a quote that I heard Ray Hunt say. And uh, it would be arranging the life and the body down to the feet through the mind. And that's what everybody says. So, but when we work with horses, and this could sum up much of what what we're doing. And I, I remind people of this. But we arrange the life and the body down to the feet through the mind. And I have another way that I'll sometimes explain that is through an understanding, you know, through communication and experience, we're, we're effectively able to help influence our horse's energy level. Uh, we can make a horse feel calm. We can make a horse liven up when we ride, but then effectively get it down to their feet because everything we do with horses, we're always uh, mindful of what's going on and not just the mind, and not just in the life and the body, but what's going on in the feet. And that's my favorite quote, and I think that that brings a lot of our students back to sort of getting in the moment with the horse and slowing down and and and, and going from that that approach. Yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering, you know, you've both got this really strong background of the horsemanship and the thinking about what the horse is doing. When you decided to make this into a career, was this sort of one thing that made you say, right, we're going to do this professionally, full-time, this is what we're going to do, or did it come over a period of time? Well, I think that's, I think for us, we, the career picked us. So I don't know that it was as intentional as, you know, I am going to, I'm going to have a career in horses, but more so we started doing it so early on and we're doing it as a job throughout high school that I think it was just kind of a continual evolution. And I guess that's that I'm speaking for myself maybe, but well in in, in you know, Paula's case, she her parents had a horse farm and, and so then she grew up with working at right. her parents' farm and then other farms as well. But I would sort of have to freelance. And that's when I was getting picked up by, boy, anything from moms that would, would pick up, um, you know, pick me up for lessons and then they drop, cause I couldn't drive and then they dropped me off. And it was like, I, I would question, should I, should I, you know, is this something I should do? And, but I, I always brought it back to, um, if I, if I can take time and, and understand where am I at and not get it in over my head, I always say in a pretty good place. And I think because of that, uh, a lot of people found me for starting horses and, and that kind of thing. And so-called problem horses, that's such a terrible term. But um, but yeah, I think that, that that was really important. So I think we stayed fairly, you know, grounded grounded through it. But then, you know, of course, we had a strong 4-H program. And I don't know if you have 4-H there, but it, uh, it, we, had a, we had a well, you know, well-rounded 4-H upbringing. We also sort of led to other, you know, avenues that way as well. And I think we both have been really passionate about learning. That's definitely been a huge focus in our journey. And therefore, we were going to, and because of the interdisciplinary approach and because all disciplines, all breeds were very intriguing to us, 
we went to a very wide range of clinics and, and saw different clinicians and horse fairs and, and things like that. So that's always helps guide and direct us down our path, I would say. Yeah, it's not about uh, an attire or, you know, the clothes we wear. It, 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 it's how do we feel when we're on horses. And that's such, that's a, such an important direction that we need to follow. And sometimes people find themselves, well, you know, if, if you're new to to training or, or new to the horse, horse industry. So, so if someone wants to do that, if someone is interested in horses, what's the type of person they need to be to get that sort of understanding? I mean, you know, not the knowledge or the natural skill, but if you first see, you know, I don't know, a group of high school kids that that don't have any experience with horses and you think, oh, this one's got the right temperament, the right personality, the right core skills, what sort of person are we looking for if they're going to do well with horses and, and possibly work in the horse industry? Well, the first characteristic I would would say is be humble, because it's a it's a it's challenging, and and, and it's rewarding, but it's it's challenging, um, and be humble because you never can stop learning, and and so that is the that is sort of another new trend is is people are we can keep learning we can learn on we can learn with all these other you know with everything that we have nowadays we can we can do this but. Um, but I think that's one thing is, 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 be, be realistic with where you are, what level you're at. And again, go with how, how does it feel as, as you go? Yeah. And I think that's really important is how is it feeling? Because I think a lot of people go in and they want to maybe talk, a bigger game than what they are and might get in over their head and might be in too much of a hurry to make it to the top or make it into, you know, a certain position as, as head trainer or whatever it might be. And it causes them to get into trouble with horses because horses don't have, they don't wear wristwatches. They don't have a time frame for anything. And when we're starting to put our own pressure and bring that into a situation, a training situation, it often comes back in a way that we don't want to see a horse that's, you know, tense, stressed, those sorts of things. And so I think it's important to understand that it's a journey and it's okay to be a beginner. It's okay to be learning because as you move forward, you know, on this path of, of horsemanship and maybe finding a career in horses, it's all about being open-minded and learning and taking your time, learning how to read the horse. And if you're training a horse, understanding it's very much about a conversation rather than just training. So training implies that we are going to do you know XYZ and then the output's going to be XYZ. And that's not really what happens in a in a quote unquote training situation. It's a conversation. You've got to be able to see what the horse is telling you. They're going to let you know if they're understanding it. If they're not understanding, what pieces are they not understanding? And you've got to be able to adjust your approach. Just like talking with, you know, another person, you adjust it depending on the feedback that you're getting from that person. And you might have to re-explain things, explain things differently, but being able to be flexible and not see it as a 
cookie cutter scenario when you're working with horses. I think that's really important for people to know. Yeah, and and one thing is experience is is always the best approach uh, with horses. That that horses, you know, we want to. Sometimes we feel a time crunch, and so maybe people are are more repetitive or mechanical. And, and you see this in the industry all the time, and it's it's it makes me kind of sad sometimes. But um, it's the experiences accumulated together that you've had with your horse over the course of time that leads to your relationship with your horse. And so um, if, if we do something wrong and we get in over our head or we do too much and we overexpose the horse, well, all of a sudden I can't go back and, and unwind that. So I really need to be able to read that horse and go along and, and uh, present experiences that I know I can always get a yes answer to with, with my horse. But then after a while, I get more creative and we bring up the levels of complexity. And to us, that's much of the art right, right there. Definitely. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot off the press notification. That is that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available. And the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. I love the way that you really emphasise about reading the horse and letting the horse tell you when it's ready to learn to move on rather than just having this mechanical, right, you're at this, you know, you've been here this many weeks, you should know how to do this. You can tell, you know, in a little bit, but you're really treating each horse as an individual there. Is there one particular horse that you've learned more? You know, think about horses because horses are great teachers. They're great levelers, but they're great teachers. Is there one in particular that you think, I really learn more from this horse than any other horse? Oh, that's a tough one. They, I have learned so much from each horse that's come through uh, my life that it, that's it's really hard to pick out one. Have you got an example this horse taught me this lesson because I was trying, I mean, I think back about my riding, you know, and I think, oh, even even now I jump on a horse and think this horse is really teaching me this, you know, whether it's the patience, whether it's the reading, whether it's the in this situation I should do this. I remember I was really having trouble with one-time changes, really, really having trouble. And I had a horse and I go two-time, two-time, go two-time forever. And then all of a sudden I just went, Ah, okay, I've got to be asking for the next change before they actually do the change before, you know, just to to give time for the aid. And all of a sudden I got it. I went, oh, one-time changes are easy, you know. But I remember that horse. I remember I I feel that the horse taught me how to do that, you know. So, you know, I'm just giving an example um, of horses and, and I know that you're talking about Lots of different horses are teaching you lots of different things. But give an example of, of a particular horse that you had that taught you something. The, the biggest 
I guess, horse that I had. And actually, sadly, I've had to put him down this, this last year, um, old, older age. So that's, that's, that's okay. But um, he was a horse that was actually given to me. He was, he was actually imported. And it was one of those things that I thought, you know, is this, is this too good to be true? And I can remember he was a, just a beautiful, he's beautiful Westphalian. Um, just a nice, just a nice horse put together. And it was a problem for us. Yeah. Rider in the hospital multiple times. Okay. Usually when horses are given to you, there's a reason that they're given yeah, to you. And especially at the, you know, uh, the, you know, this, this was a very nice horse, but, but turns out though, although his owner had some problems with him and he was trying to rush him too fast, because he was actually trying to make him a Grand Prix jumper and this horse was young and this horse just I know what this horse did. He, he said, I'm not, I'm not up for this. And, but with that being said, the owner did understand that somebody else needs this horse. And so, so he uh, sort of through, I guess, a friend contacted me. And so this is a Westphalian destined to be a you know Grand Prix jumper. And here I am, and I'm riding it out in Arizona on a cattle ranch. I'm riding in, you know, Buck Branham and clinics, also Walters Adult Clinics, and some other good dressage riders as well that I, that I liked a lot throughout, you know. And, you know, this horse, uh, he, he taught me that even though I was very confident in myself and my abilities as a rider, to say ride a horse that bucks or a horse that gets excited, he really taught me, I really do have to slow slow down. I really can't just... Um, you know, sometimes we can push a little bit and we, and that can be a good thing, but, but he taught me, don't, you might not push so much, but what experiences can we go through together to sort of build a relationship? And as the years went by, and it might've been, was it three or five, five years later, something interesting happened. I'd been trimming his hooves in the barn and I was taking a break and I, I, I squatted down his hindquarters came towards me, but not in an aggressive way. It was in a way that I realized, boy, he wasn't aware of me. And it dawned on me. He's blind in his right eye. And so I stood up and I, and I put my finger and I could have touched his eye. I mean, I basically touched his eye. So then I had taken him in um, to an eye specialist, I think the next day, because we have a friend that's an eye specialist and she looked at him and, and indeed he was blind in that eye, but completely blind or just partially blind at the back of it. Completely blind. Wow. Optic nerve was severed. I, well, and I, would, I even could circle and, and do ground school, groundwork, or a little bit of lunging, and I could lunge on his blind side, and I could round pen on his blind side. And here I am telling people you need to read your horse and be aware of your horse, and I missed that he was blind in his right eye for a few years. But it was such a lesson in that. So, oh my goodness, but he, he compensated well. And then I was able to sort of make some, some sort of adapt my approach, adjust my approach. And, and suddenly things, you know, were, they were fine, but things were even, were much, much better. And, and other people rode him and he, he was so easy to ride. So people liked that because they could get on him and they could feel a flying change or, um, or, or some, or something like that. But he was a very special horse to me, you know, on so on so many levels, and and I would I could ride him in clinics, and 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 I could rope 
off of him, you know, softly, um, you know, I would do things where I might rope another horse, but it's, it's slow and smooth. And I could use Casper for those types of things. And so, yeah, it was just by far my favorite, favorite horse. Yeah. And I guess, you know, as I reflect back, I would say that the, the horse that I had my biggest lesson on was a young thoroughbred that I had started her saddle and I thought I was doing pretty good with him. I, you know, I had him riding bridalists and jumping and I did have some bucking in my canter transitions, but other than that, you know, I could, I could jump a course bridalists and I could do some fun stuff with him at a pretty young age. And, uh, he, I, I brought him to a clinic, to a, a clinician that I very much respected, um, which was Lee Smith, whom we had stayed at her ranch in Arizona and, and worked for her for a little while there. And I kind of felt like I was going to show her, you know, a little bit of what I could do. And I felt like I had things going pretty well with him. And she worked on a, a simple, simple exercise, and it was just directing the horse's mind. And you were just to put a feel, little feel down the, the lead rope as you're on the ground with your horse and you're going to ask them to look at an object, you know, off in a field. And then you're going to tip their focus and have them look the other direction. Well, when I did that, my horse kind of looked a little, you know, when I said look over to the right, he kind of looked a little over to the right. And same thing when I did it to the left. And she looked at me and she shook her head and and kind of came up to me. And, you know, I could see she wasn't pleased and I was a little nervous because I really respected her. And and she took the lead rope. And in the matter of maybe 30 seconds, he went from just kind of begrudgingly moving where I was asking him to look. And he brightened up. His ears were forward. And she would say, look to the right. And he would fully look. with You could just see his whole mind, body, his energy would look that direction. And then he'd look the other way. And when she asked him to, and she said, did you see that? And I said, yeah, I, you know, I saw that. And I, I had noticed the change. And she said, now you do it. And I took the lead rope and I did the same thing. I asked him to look to the right. And boy, the instant I started asking, you could just see him shut down. His whole focus kind of went inward and he did look, but it was, it was totally different. It was because he had to. And in that moment, I realized that I was training my horses and I was maybe a good trainer, but that's really not what I wanted. I didn't want to be a good trainer. I wanted what she did. <laughs> and that was like, okay, what what does Lee do to cause this in the horse? Because I want that. And that's where, you know, that whole idea of it's a communication. It's not training. And it was a hard lesson. It was really embarrassing. I was, that's the, back to what Jack was saying about being humbled and be, be willing to be humbled because you will be in this sport. But in those, those moments where, where you are humbled, you're probably learning a lot. And in that moment, it, you know, you might have to reflect back on it. You might in that moment be like, there might be too much going on for you to really absorb the lesson, but it will cause you to change and grow as an individual and and you'll be pretty happy about the humbling moments later on yeah that that was big i was there and that was yeah. that was the same lesson for me that that i, I picked up on that as well it was yeah. huge it was huge and i think from there we you know we really evaluated ourselves and said is this is this about 
you know, uh, back, this was years ago, you know, yeah, we were teenagers. Yeah. And, so. and so sometimes, you know, is this about ego and what I can show people I can do with my horses right? or is yeah. it something else? Exactly. Um, exactly. You've talked about humbling moments. What do you think your proudest moments been? You might say, look, I get proud moments all the time. You know, every time my student does something, but is there one proud moment that you think this has been the highlight or is it just continual ongoing? Oh, Paula points at me. (laughs) I mean, it's it's hard for me to, and I think Paula might be the same way. It's it's hard for us to sometimes accept, you know, yeah, or or avoid people. You know, sometimes it's just the littlest moments that nobody sees that just feels so good. Like there, there's those times where it's it's just a thought and your horse is right there and it's just this feeling of flow and there's not really this, this separation between you and the horse. You're going together as one. And I don't know that it's, I don't know that I would say it's a proud moment, but it's, those are the moments that cause me to keep striving for more and to keep, um, oh, just feeling that passion for riding and, and training and growing with my horses. And those are the ones that mean the most to me. So maybe it's not proud as in proud, but those are the most meaningful moments. Okay, okay. And, and I like that, the fact that you say they're meaningful, you know, moments that you're going to remember. I like the emphasis that you put on that, yeah. Thinking about, you know, because you're both professionals within the horse industry, and we all know how great that is for people who work in the horse industry. But money aside, because everyone has money problems, but the biggest challenge to being where you are now, you know, like you, you've always worked with horses, so, you know, you didn't have to make the decision, do I work with horses or not work with horses? But has there been challenges, because other people might find those challenges, you know, in their, in their journey, in their progression towards working professionally in the industry? Because it's not just the challenge that I want to know, because you've obviously overcome it. I want to know how you overcame it, you know, what the story is there. The ability to, to wear, here we're talking about costumes, multiple hats. So, you know, if I think people sometimes think this is my job. I ride or I, I, you know, I'm a manager or I, the farrier, but you know, you, you really need to be able to flex, adjust and pivot to other situations that are kind of, kind of come your way. And there's always a, the horse industry is so full of challenges on so many levels. And it could be something as simple as walking out the barn. And, and what do you see when you get out there? Um, to I don't have enough money, and so now all of a sudden we need to do something a little different, or we need to, you know, and so being able to be um, maybe have a little marketing, have a little, um, I mean, you know about that, Paula. Yep. Um, have, have being able to, you know, I'm not a vet, but boy, I sure, I sure am there, and I sure learn, and I sure do the best I can, and I'm, I'm great with lameness, you know, I'm, uh, I'm able to trim horses. Today I walked out my back door and it's January and we had a water uh, water break and my my outside I mean it's frozen it's 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 Wisconsin we have snow on the ground and you know so I had to get a backhoe in and helped helped with that and that took I don't know five six hours of my day today and I got it done I'm so happy but that keeps things going and so the ability to fill in 
um, help other people and not just what you need to get done, but what, what does this other person maybe need and can you help them? Can you help them do it? Yeah, I think that's so important. Important. I mean, you've got, you know, scheduling and communication and delegation to employees. If you, if you, you know, have employees, there's a lot of different hats and, you do need to be a little bit of, and I'm going to play a pun on Jack's oh. name, but a little bit of a jack oh. of all trades, I think, especially when you're starting out in the industry, eventually you might niche down and figure out exactly where you fit. But I think initially understanding all of the different roles, even, you know, nutri- equine nutrition and the supplements and what they do, there's there's a lot of different facets to keeping a horse in in an environment and uh, it's a whole, you know, it's there, there's a lot of pieces to it. So same thing with client management, there's a lot of different pieces, um, you know, invoicing, billing, all of those sorts of things are, are bits and pieces of it. And I think it's important to understand, you know, not only like veterinary care to understand who is a good vet, because you need to be able to determine that for yourself, for your clients. Same thing with, uh, marketing. You need to understand what what sorts of marketing would be appropriate for what you're doing in your business, and you need to have a little bit of a handle on what that looks like, so that if you're to hire a person to do the marketing for you, or the scheduling for you, or to hire an employee, you need to understand what their job roles are and what makes a good person for that particular role. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And you really brought down, you know, when you first started off, you were talking, you know, I asked you about someone who's commencing and you're saying be humble and never stop learning. And it's not just about horses, you know, by the time you do it professional, if, you, if you're working for someone, they take, but if you're open in your roles um, and you're a business owner, it's all the business stuff that you've got to either do yourself or, or have someone do, but you've got to recognise whether or not they're doing a good job. Definitely. And when you sometimes accomplish some of those other jobs, that's, that's, you'll, you'll get that proud sense, that proud feeling too. Like I did something a little out of my element. Yep. That's when I think I feel proud. Yeah. Good. Now, just thinking about, you know, you go out and to do a clinic. Okay. So the two of you are going out to do a clinic and you see a group of horses and riders that you've never seen before. What's a common fault that you see with the riders, the trainers, the handlers? And again, it's a double-barrel question because it's not just about the riders, the trainers, and the handlers, but how can it be fixed? I think something that's key is, well, maybe a couple things. People sometimes do not have the ability to observe as well as they should what's actually taking place. And therefore, they tend to do too much too late. So I think if we can encourage people to increase their power of observation, they will start to learn to recognize problems before they're actually a problem. And therefore, they will be able to do much less in order to resolve a problem that isn't even there yet because because they were two steps ahead of it. And therefore, they can be much quieter in their approach. So that really comes down to observation and then, you know, being able to break things down to the smallest element that would be required to help the horse or and or rider in that 
particular situation. So really picking up on what the horse is about to do rather than waiting for him to do it. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. If people are coming to a clinic and they're worried about what we think their horse looks like or their saddle blanket or something like that, they're not really able to take in what is happening in the moment and slow down, start again, start slow um, and and relax. And it's really going to be an enjoyable experience. But but what really matters, figure out what really matters. And what matters is what that horse thinks of you and you know what you think about that horse on the other end of that line. So, No, I love that. All right. Just before we go, a couple of things. You've got a horse fair coming up, and this is on Jack and Paula Curtis training.com. Actually, it would be artofthehorseman.com. Artofthehorseman.com. Is that the best way to contact you through the Art of the Horseman website? Yes, it is. Okay. It is. Okay. Okay. And I think the horse fair, I think um, coming up on the 25th of January, you know, if you want to jump on the artofthehorseman.com, have a good look at that. And, um, I think you've also got a YouTube channel, Jack. Is that right? What's the YouTube channel called? We do have a YouTube channel. And it's Art of the Horseman as well. Perfect. Perfect. That's an easy one to remember. Now, I'm putting those details down, but everyone knows that if you go to horsechats.com, search for Jack and Paula Curtis, or even, you know, search for Jack, search for Paula, search for Curtis, and you'll find this chat. And at the bottom of the page, all the contact details will be on that. And, um, if you want to go to artofthehorseman.com, have a look at the horse fair that's coming up on the 25th of January. But before we do that, just remind us what the best thing about working with horses is, working in the horse industry. Well, always learning for sure, right? So keeping, you know, keeping ourselves in check and, and, and being aware of ourselves first and then and the general awareness out from there. And yeah, and I don't know if you want to yeah, I, I love that it's a, it's a practice of learning and self-discipline throughout. I think I'm reminded daily of, of both of those things. I think they're great lessons. They're both great lessons for people to go away with. And as I said before, you know, go to artofthehorseman.com, find out a little bit more about Jack and Paula Curtis. But Jack and Paula, we're certainly hoping to get you back on. So we will... Um, talk to you soon about coming back on and great to have you here today and I uh, hope to talk to you very soon. Great. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.